This is part two of a series of labs trying to answer the question, what is the meaning of a text? That is, what do we mean by the word meaning, which we use a lot in these labs? How do we use the word meaning in these labs? Specifically, what is the meaning of a written text. Father, I want to pray one more time here now and ask that you would impress upon us the importance of being clear with what you intend by the word meaning in the word and what would be loving in the way we use it now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My answer to the question, what I mean by meaning, is the meaning of a text is what the author, the author intended to communicate by his words. And I'm giving seven reasons for defining meaning this way, namely as what the author intended to communicate by his words. In the part one, we saw reason number one, the Bible assumes it. And I gave three examples of how the Bible assumes that we are thinking of meaning as meaning of texts as what the author intended to communicate by his words. Now, in this session, we do reason number two. I'm going to just simply call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is why we define meaning as what is in the author's mind and intention, not ours. Or we could say, as a reader, do unto authors as you would have readers do unto you as an author. And we could just pick examples from daily life, but let's take some examples from the Scripture. Let's just start with the foundational text of the Golden Rule. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, Jesus said, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Why is that such a foundational instruction? Because this is a great way of discerning whether we love people or are merely selfish. If you say, uh, I, I want something done to me a certain way, whatever you wish that others would do to you, I have lots of wishes, and I want others to treat me a certain way, and they better treat me that way, and you don't give any thought to giving them the same privilege of having you treat them the way you'd like to be treated, then you're just selfish, right? Just selfish. And you're not putting them first so that you're acting in love. So this is huge. And my point is simply to say, let's apply it to reading. When you read, do you want to treat the author the way you would like to be treated 
if you were that author? Namely, do you want him to find your intention, or do you just want him to make it mean any old thing he, he, he wants to make it mean? Wouldn't you feel abused if somebody read your words and then simply said, uh, to me, it means, and they gave it a meaning totally different than what you put in it. You would not feel like they were living the golden rule at that point. Takes one or two examples of uh, how, how that might happen in the Bible. Here's 2 Timothy 4.13. When you come, bring the cloak, Paul says to Timothy that I left with Carpus at Troas. So there's this specific cloak that he left with, with Carpus at Troas, and he wants Timothy to pick it up and bring it when he comes. Also, bring the books, and above all, bring the parchments. Now, suppose Timothy said, oh my, there have been so many great theological, practical instructions for the ministry in 2 Timothy, he just can't mean this is serious, and that's an, a ratty old cloak. I, I've seen it, so I don't think he means this seriously. Or, oh, these parchments and these books are so heavy to lug around all the way onto the boats and there that I'll just... I'll figure out how to get some parchments for him when I when I get there. And he just decides the meaning here is not I need this specific cloak that I left at Troas, and I need this parchment. So he heads off to to meet Paul, and when Paul when he meet, when he gets there, Paul says, "Where's the cloak? Where are the parchments?" And he says, "Well, I assumed that." You didn't need that particular cloak because it's so ratty and and uh, it seems like such a throwaway statement at the end. And Paul said, I need that cloak because there are sewn into it some very precious pieces of information that I need to be able to remember. And Timothy's mortified and and I need those parchments. They are marked up in a certain way. I need them, Timothy. Would, would Timothy want Paul to treat his request for a cloak and parchments the way he treated Paul so lightly? No, he wouldn't. That imaginary situation would not have been according to the golden rule. Or take Second Peter 3, 15 and 16. Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters, and there are some things in them that are hard to understand. Hard to understand. There's a meaning that's hard to get out, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. So when these people twist... Paul's meaning and give it a meaning that it doesn't have, which in the context of 2 Peter turns grace into licentiousness, when they twist his meaning to, to fit their desires, are they doing what they want done to their their letters, their writings, 
No, they're not. Nobody wants their words to be twisted. So very simply, there are now two reasons for why the meaning of a text should be thought of as what the author intended to communicate by his words. Reason number one, the Bible assumes it. We saw that in part one. And it and reason number two, the golden rule. As a reader, do unto authors as you would have readers do unto you as an author. And none of us wants to have anything serious that we write be taken in such a light way that people can say, oh, it doesn't matter what he intended. The words look like they mean this. I'll act on this, not what he intended. Nobody wants to be treated that way. Therefore, we shouldn't treat the Bible or anybody else's writing that way.